know how you are a rehome, and when you arrived, you needed some rehabilitation. But nothing compared to the street dogs in Thailand. And that's why I'm heading off now to the news building at London Bridge, meeting Mike and recording a podcast with Niall Harbison, who's been championing street dogs out in Thailand. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Oh, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Favourite podcast, podcast about dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it challenges, it pushes boundaries, you know, and I love that. And, you know, I don't want to praise you for the book because um, I'm reading the book. Yeah, I got yeah, yeah. to the end and, and you hate people saying how great you are or, or what great work you're doing, you know, but I can't help it. Oh. I just have to say, <laughs> oh, well, I think what much. you're doing is really amazing. Thank you very much. I've, I've, uh, yeah, I just I love just uh, helping the dogs. I'm quite introverted in that sense. I hate hate getting praised, but yeah, I, I, I love uh, the journey that I've been on. So thanks very much for that. Yeah, and it's it is all about recognizing, isn't it? I think that you know, as my dad used to say to me, you never feel alone with a dog by your side, but you can feel really lonely in a room full of people. Wow, that's a great, great wisdom, didn't he? Yeah, that was, he did, uh, is that his own saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he should have that on a T-shirt or something. That's, that's I know. Re- really well, he good. worked for the RSPCA, you know, when I was growing up. So that's you know, I learned a lot about animal cruelty and neglect yeah, yeah. from a very early age, which is why you know the book really resonates with me because you know a, a lot of it is just circumstances and out there for the dogs, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, it's they have a really tough life. Like we. I mean, I say we, I used to live in Ireland and England and in fairness, our pets are pretty small, are spoilt here. Uh, there is definitely cruelty with the RSPCA would see that and stuff, but no, I think 99% of pets are, are spoilt in this part of the world compared to what I see on a daily basis there. They have a pretty tough, horrific life. And they're the same dogs, you know, like once you take a street dog in and help it, they show the same characteristics as a, as a pet. So it's a tough life for them, yeah really is um no i know but explain you know you were on a bit of a whirlwind you know um that media life frenzy which i can relate to to a degree you know a lot of anxiety you built yeah. a couple of businesses up you're flying high but you know you got to thailand and met a dog really called lucky maybe it was you that was lucky in meeting lucky well i think that's the thing with a lot of dogs you often hear people say you know a dog saved me or you know a cat or a certain pet saved them as much as you saved them and it's completely true for me I was I had my own businesses and I sold those and I sort of retired uh, to Thailand to take it easy but then I, I was also an alcoholic and suffered from depression so I ended up in hospital and then I wanted to change my life and I met Lucky yeah in the street and just started feeding her um, one day at a time and then it, it sort of grew from there up to four dogs and, and ten and then suddenly uh, after a couple of months later I was feeding 80 dogs every day so that's how it started with Lucky yeah. Yeah and you got a moped and that got you around the island because you're based on a, a beautiful island. A lovely place called Koh Samui in Thailand but their street dog problem is global and I know a lot of people might not have been in that part of the world but you know you can kind of visualize those street dogs in maybe India you've seen the videos or Sri Lanka or a lot of Southeast Asia is pretty bad and 
there's even though it's a small paradise island there's about 10,000 street dogs there um, so it's a real eye-opener yeah 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 I mean I can believe it because I've, I've been to India actually three times and I loved watching the street dogs because whilst they did have packs a lot of the time they spent time on their own and um, you know it was interesting to see dogs being really natural dogs some you know they like time alone um, and I think that's a lesson we can all learn yeah there's it's, you're absolutely right it's there's a mixture some of them w absolutely spend all day together like you know not just a female and a male dog but maybe a mother and a daughter I know some of them they live together or a family but then there's some like lucky that are complete loners and like their little corner of the and they'll defend their little corner so uh, there's all sorts of and they display yeah like you say more natural tendencies there they have to scavenge for food and they have to maybe they do fight each other that's part of dogs are very territorial so they defend their little turf and yeah it's a, it's a whole different life for them but out there you've seemed really lucky in that you've you found a network of like-minded people that, you know, quite naturally it seems to me from reading the book that, you know, you've bumped into people like your friend Rod. Yeah, well, absolutely. The, the good thing is there's an awful lot of kind people out there to animals. You know, for, for all the cruelty that there is in the world, I think there's at least as many people being kind, if not more. So uh, there was a few people out there already doing it and I've just been lucky to sort of meet them and help bring them on the journey with me um, and some of them are there's a lot of for example older women and a couple of older men maybe in their 60s 70s who have retired and they, they this is maybe their dream but but they they're maybe not very good at social media or well they're definitely not good at social media <laughs> or raising money and stuff so I can kind of help them a little bit which is nice yeah because that's the interesting thing so you left your media world um, and it's helped you though hasn't it because social media was your big thing with your agencies and I've got to say your social media your Instagram account is fantastically done you hit just the right note I think you know it, it, I know you keep it on the more cheerful side of the fence yeah well I did that very sort of intentionally because I found myself a, when you go into social media, when I started this, it was all, you know, COVID, Ukraine, cost of living. And I was like, oh my God, this is depressing, you know, yes. Which is, and it gets you down. So yes. I was like, what can I put out there that's a bit positive? And the street dogs are not positive, you know, it's a hard life for them. But I just thought by telling their stories in a positive way, it might make people smile a little bit. Yeah, no, totally. Well, it's obviously worked because... All of this has happened in a very short period of time, hasn't it? Since lockdown, really. So we're talking three years. It's actually only about 18 months now at this stage. I thought oh, it was. really? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like since January 2022. So it feels like about five years, but yeah, it's even shorter, yeah. Yeah, gosh. And how many dogs have you saved, do you think, at the moment? Because I know your goal is 10,000 dogs a month. Yeah. I, I, I don't know an exact number, but I can kind of tell you, like, sterilised... 1,300 at this stage. So sterilizing, if people don't know, is like neutering so they don't have the babies. And that's the best way to save the lives. Um, so that's already stopped thousands of new puppies being born. Then we do operations. So I don't do the operations, but I get them to the vets. And then I feed 800 every day. So I don't know an exact number, but I, I think we're already in the thousands of dogs saved. So wow. um, 
it's it's grown pretty fast. I, I can't believe how sort of how it's snowballed really. But in terms of your life skills, all this change, you know, um, for you, which is quite massive. I mean, you begin the book talking about a lovely character called Rodney. Um, and that kind of throws you into the book, doesn't it, in the deep end. And you're thinking, oh no, you know. And I love that particular part of the book because you talk about mackerel and how you couldn't wait to get him onto some freshly caught mackerel to help his skin. And I'm a canine nutritionist, you yeah, see, yeah. so I'm thinking, I love this, you know, because obviously what you feed your, the dogs can really help with their health and keep them away from the vets, you know. Well, a hundred percent. And you used to be a chef. That's yes. the point I want to say. Yes. So how have your chef skills helped you in terms of feeding the dogs, not only cost effectively, yeah. but for maximum nutrition? Yeah, well, the cost effectively is really easy because all the volunteers, those older women I was telling you, and the people who are, you know, the locals who are feeding them, I just said, they were all up all night cooking their food and trying to save money. And I said, why don't I just buy all the food wholesale? you know, rice and vegetables and so all the uh, coconut oil, the stuff that goes into And I, I said, I'll, I'll cook it all and then I'll give it out to you. So it saved them loads of money and time and the dogs get better food. But then the, yeah, the individual dogs, like the mackerel example is, there's a, a woman there, a German woman who's been there for 20, 30 years and she knows every trick in the book. Like she's not in any way a trained nutritionist or a vet or anything, but she's just learned it by doing. And she taught me about the mackerel for that particular, she was like, get the fatty beef and mackerel and it'll really help the skin. And I just, you, you sort of, because you can't afford to take every dog to the vet. If you, There's so many, I'd be, I'd be spending thousands every day. If I, so you have to learn these little tricks. But what I have learned is that food and shelter is nearly as good as the medicine. Like they do need the medicine, definitely, you know, if it's a serious case, but if you give a very sick dog the f really good food and a bit of shelter so they don't have to uh, scavenge for it, that's when you see the quickest recovery. Well, you saw that, didn't you, with Derek? Yes, yes. <laughs> I saw a picture of Derek today just about an hour ago and he's, uh, my friends are looking after him and he's running down the street and his skin was the same. It was just, oh, it was oozing black. I mean, you know, literally there was like oil type stuff coming out all over him, but, and it took him about three months to get him fixed, but now he's, he's back. And that's all down to, he's the best eater, I would say, out of them all, and he's, he's back. <laughs> and in his kennel, because I'm loving the way that you've built these special kennels with um, a raised mezzanine, which again is yeah, really yeah. practical, so I don't really want to be dead on the ground, you know. Um, and I was going to say, you know, in terms of life skills, has your DIY <laughs> oh, I, I improved? Can't, no, I can't take any credit for that. That's my friend Rod, the Australian guy who's in the book a couple of times. He's He loves that sort of stuff. So uh -huh. he's... I, I've got people who do all sorts of different, like I do the social, I say to them, look, I'll do the social media and raise us some money. Rod does the DIY and all that sort of stuff. I have another friend, Sybil, who's a human surgeon and she does physiotherapy for the dogs. So we all bring a little bit of our skills and help the dogs. Yeah, no, that's terrific. I love that. I mean, you know, it's it's true, isn't it? Some people might say, you know, it's obviously neutering and using the, the, the funds raised to stop more puppies is, is key. But as you've said, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, I mean, would you say educating the community is, is a big factor there? I mean, it, you know, because in the book, you do talk about um, 
well, one particular cruelty case which left me spinning, you know, the, and I think you met him again the other day just oh, after Wacker, you yeah, Wacker, yeah, 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 King yeah. Wacker, because, yeah. you know, the photograph in the book of his head, uh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and believe it or not, I'm squeamish, or well, I was when I started this, not squeamish, but I, you know when you go to a hospital or events, I wouldn't have been great at, like, you know, I would have been hiding my eyes, but you get thrust into these situations now where Wacker, he's actually on the cover, I'm just looking at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He had a, a pickaxe driven down between his eyes, and it was horrific. Like, I, I, I arrived, and I looked into his brains, for, for want of a better word, I could see just, matter and then there was another dog who'd been shot there's been dogs who've been poisoned obviously just lots of abuse so it's really really hard to see that but you just when you're put into a position like that i've just had to sort of learn as i go along you know like you just have to you, you come up with solutions to help them but yes sorry going back to your question education sometimes i actually feel with the neutering we're doing great but it's like mopping up uh, a mess that maybe you have to go and look at how the mess has been created a little bit and try and help that side by educating people as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. But I mean, it's something I loved about the book as well, because obviously I train lots of different dogs and I've been obsessed with dogs all my life. You know, yeah. I love dogs definitely more than humans yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm quite known for it you know but it's the way you recount because I guess it was a baptism of fire for you I know you had Snoop already and I want to get on to Snoop but it's the way you really in the words capture these dogs personalities so little Rodney is completely obviously an individual lucky for example for me, you know, your first dog that you rescued out there, I feel your pain in the book on Lucky. Yeah. Your pain for Lucky. Explain why. Oh, well, she, I saved her and, sorry, I didn't save her. I, I found her and fed her every day and got her to the vets. She was managing on her own, um, but I was able to get her, like, to the vets for worms and, you know, flick, flea treatment and a few things like that. But she lived in a very lonely place and but she was totally happy there and then another dog called chopper came and lived with her but then one day she just went missing uh, so it'd been six months um every day she showed up and then she just went missing and what happens is it's very hard to explain but they're quite sort of there's a lot of migrant workers there there's fruit pickers there's different it's the jungle you know so, so she I found out eventually quite recently that she went off with some some other people and is very happy living now and um, she she looks great but they do go missing sometimes like I have 80 so I'll come along some days and I found dogs dead you know being hit by a car or abused or stuff but sometimes they just vanish which is you know it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster if I'm honest yeah no I totally I don't know how actually you keep going because you know the the, the chapter about dear Marlon Brando. Again, the names you find for all these dogs. I mean, there's Ryan Gosling's in the book. <laughs> <laughs> there's Marlon Brando. Yeah. Um, you've got Beyonce. Beyonce yeah. And the dog I'm really interested in, because I'm mad about bull, bull breeds. I, I've got a bull terrier at home. Um, and, you know, I know that kind of mentality, you know, the Bostons and, and so on. So Brittany, you know, she, you know, because people think, oh, getting a dog, it's all going to be so easy. Um, I'm going to be so calm because yeah. that's what dogs do. They yeah. make you calm. And what I love about your explanation about Brittany is that you're honest. Explain. Uh, oh, I'll tell, like it, sh it was the hardest rescue of my life because 
very early days and I didn't massively know what I was doing still, but a fellow volunteer, Terry, a lovely woman called me and she said, look, there's a dog that's just showing up and she's bitten me. And I said, okay, I'll go and have a look. And I got up there and it was a little sort of bull terrier uh, type dog and she had a big padlock around her neck and she had five or six, I think it was five, five puppies with her. And they were all covered in like ticks and fleas and they would like hundreds of ticks in their ears. She was aggressive. So she launched herself at me with like teeth. All I could see was teeth. So I had to back off and I had to come back with a big stick actually, not to hit her obviously, but to sort of threaten her to just, you know, calm her down. And uh, I, I was able to feed the puppies and a friend came along and eventually we sort of got the puppies treated um, and it took us, I think about 10 days to catch her. Um, and we got her to the vets and she was so aggressive, so aggressive. But once we got the padlock off, I needed a big pair of like bolt cutters, cut that off. I got the puppies rehomed. Um, so all five to really nice homes, so that was good. But then I was stuck with Brittany, who was, she, she was okay only with me for some reason. Once I caught her and she saw the puppy, she a f switch flicked and she was like, okay, this guy must be here. To, he's, he's my person now. So she stopped trying to bite me, which was good. But she was still, she'd launch herself at anybody else, like from a distance to just bite them. So God knows what she'd gone through. We think it was probably fighting. She might've been used as a like bait dog because she, we think. Um, so yeah, I, it took about a year to rehabilitate her. I actually called her Britney Spears because I don't know if any listeners remember, but Brit <laughs> Britney had a bit of a meltdown uh, yes. when she was uh, about 10 years ago and she was, humans were quite bad to her. So that's why I called her Britney Spears. And um, all but she was so difficult to, and I don't mind saying this one bit at all, exactly like you said, you get a dog and you think it's easy. I had days where like I was screaming at her in the middle of the jungle, you know, like she'd, she'd just let, she'd keep letting herself down. I'd train her a little bit and she'd be doing well and she'd be coming along and then she'd maybe launch her like at a chicken or a moped or something. And she just, it was so frustrating and so hard because I was busy with everything else and she was really hard. But I've got her to a brilliant place now, but probably like raising a hard child or something it was so testing and their energy that's the i mean prue doesn't launch herself or bite anyone um but her energy is kind of you know there's she's touch sensitive and noise sensitive and so she's oh she's got to be busy the whole time and when you think no 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 look i've just got to record a podcast now prue yes. for 20 minutes yeah. you know she's better now she's eight things have got better but she'd be like i can't sit still for 20 minutes exactly. um and that when you're a bit stressed out or on a deadline well it feeds through to you then as well you know you probably get stressed out or you yeah. know it's it, and I think there's no harm in saying that because yeah people maybe get dogs and they think that it's just a walk in the park and it's it can be far from that sometimes like especially Brittany was just like you gotta remember the damage that she's had in her early life, you know. Sure, so. oh, no, absolutely. And, and it, you know, what, what comes through as well in the book is that um, how you can rehabilitate these dogs and how they, they you know, dogs are pre-programmed, I think. We've evolved epigenetically yes, with yes. them, you know, for over 30,000 years. Yeah. Um, we created the dog yeah. and there is something inbuilt that they do ultimately want to trust humans which is why it's so disappointing when humans let them down you know yeah. and I know, and I know you know 
It's global, um, and I know, obviously, India, I saw some terrible things, Niall. I can uh, imagine. Oh, dreadful. Yeah. A tuk-tuk ran, ran over a dog that we were in, and yeah. I got out, and I really shouted at the driver, you know, yeah. and everything, and, you know, but, um, but, but, you know, going to, back to Snoop, who, you know, I'm just so heartfelt sorry for you that he's passed, because yeah. Snoop was really the beginning he was, yeah. He was my first dog. Because I, I always, I grew up loving dogs and my parents just said no because I think a lot of parents do because they, they think you might not be interested in them. And then I was young in cities and I only had an apartment so I didn't think it was right to get a dog. And then once I got my first house, I got Snoop uh, as a rescue and I just loved him so much. He just um, opened my whole eyes to dogs and I've been inseparable with him for about... 11, 11, over 11 years and then he died about 10 days ago so it was uh, traumatic as, as all dog owners have probably been through it and it's, it's you know it doesn't get any easier I even struggle with dogs who die that I've only known for three weeks never mind 13 years we'll so. get to that but you know it's something something you know, I, I'm actually working on as well, actually, or helping is Dog Advocacy Island. Because what with you being Irish, yeah, so yeah. there's a whole new kind of thing happening to raise awareness on puppy farms, which, yes. you know, uh, does stem a lot, sadly, from um, yeah. Ireland. Yeah. And, and then they're sent all over the world and sold on the internet. And I, uh, my heart just breaks at this point because it's almost where technology is really doing harm, I think. You know, there's great aspects of technology, but there's also some really awful yeah. things. Well, just going back to what you said there, I totally agree that like dogs have now evolved as a species to be dependent on humans. Like we, we're the reason why they're so friendly and, they're, and that's happened over hundreds or thousands of years. You, you know it better than me, but we're responsible responsible for them and like everything else on this planet like from uh you know the oceans or plastic or you know all the bad things it's humans that have done that so i i kind of see it as my not just me but hopefully i can get lots of other people interested it's our mess to clean up the dog situation you know like if we've bred them and they've become the so dependent on us we can't just like turn our backs on them and let them suffer so as a human race i think it's our responsibility to look after them yeah, totally. And that that comes across, of course, with one particular chapter that, um, you know, I'm going to losing my cat recently, but um, if we both cry now, it'll be fine because <laughs> it's my podcast. <laughs> but it was Tyson. Mm. Gosh. Um, and a quote in there, explain why this quote has had such an impact on me. It's the moments in life that count and not the minutes. Yeah, Tyson was really early in the in the day. And again, another friend called me and said, there's a dog up here and he's very sick. And I think he'd been dumped and his brain was sort of big or his head was big. So there was something trauma going on there, very serious. And I got him to the vets and fixed him a little bit and I had him at home for about 24 hours and he was sort of up and down. And then he looked like he was making a comeback. He started having a small bit of food and a little bit of water and his tail wagged a tiny bit. So I was really excited. And then he died. It sort of, 
about three in the morning I woke up or four and he started showing he, he was just acting weird and I now would know the signs but then I didn't he was just rubbing against walls and acting strange so he's in the process of dying so he died with me that morning I realized at about 6 a.m. the vets weren't going to be open in time I, I, I knew he was going so I just sat there and held his paw and um, he did he died it took about an hour for him to die I, I didn't have the option of putting him to sleep or even getting pain medicine or anything so I was just uh, sitting with him as he died and I, I, it really gave me a lot of time to to think and I talked to him as he was dying I was talking away to him I was like look maybe I don't know if this helps but maybe a voice will be nice for him and then I told him I'd do good things in his name and so he had a really early impression on me left an impression that he was just this dog dumped out in the street left to die but at least he had a good send-off you know so I still go and talk to him he's still buried uh, in my garden so and I, that's what I love it's this detail I think that I mean, I love your Instagram, as I, as I said, but would you agree that in the book you've gone into more depth? Yeah, I think people were always asking about that because I'm not, I'm actually quite introverted, believe it or not. I love being on my own on the bike, driving around, feeding food. If I could just do anything, that would be it all day. I wouldn't do anything else. But to help more dogs, I need to get the word out and all that. So people were always asking me about my childhood and what, you know, why did I end up drinking and all those things. So I, I, I thought I'd share it in the book to give people a little background. But actually, I, I said to the, the publishers I, when we first started talking, I was like, yeah, I'll just write about the dogs. I love the dogs. I'll tell all their stories. And they were like, oh, no, I think we should have a bit of you in there. Because like, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't, I'm happy behind the scenes, believe it or not. But uh, I think it just yeah, weaved my story in a little bit. Yeah, but it, it's important. I mean, you know, on the cover, because I've got my book here. Um, I must get you to sign it, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a bit corny, isn't it? Um, and it is called Hope. And I think, you know, this is what the book is, is all about. I mean, there is a dog called Hope. I mean, I feel like I've learned about so many dogs yeah, yeah. in reading this. And, and, you know, that's Hope. It's kind of the complete opposite, though, to Brittany, isn't she? You know, I mean, in a way, from a dog behaviour point of view, you must have had a baptism of fire in seeing so many different personalities. Some dogs perhaps pretty much the same, but then others that would be a little bit more, you know, shy to come forward. Yeah. Others that would be like, right, I'm first, get yeah. out of the way, you know. Yeah. And just by observing dogs, you see, I think that's how you learn about dog behaviour. I think, oh, that dog's done that, and oh, that's now happened, yeah. uh, you know. You do, you learn things like, I guess it's like, you know, it's like an office or something. There'll always be the loud one shouting over in the corner. There'll be the two people who are quiet just looking at their computer. You know, the dogs are just the same. They all have their little personalities. The one that we always, or I always say is Derek. I was like, I just wish they were all like Derek because he's got his little uh, kennel, his sweet we call it. He, he wakes up in the morning and he just try, he stands out as proud as can be and like he, he just waits for his breakfast. Then he'll sort of walk himself, he just goes off and then he comes back into for a little nap and he never troubles anybody. He's just his own little man and he, he's lovely. But then there's other, some of the rest of them are lunatics for want of a better word you know they're, they're just <laughs> energy to burn and then there's the goofy ones and uh, then there's some that might have behavioral issues but yeah it's a crash course i had in behavior and i wish i'd sort of studied it or i wish i had some more tricks that, that you probably know that 
I've just had to learn by doing it as I go along. Yeah, but I think that's a great way to learn, to be honest. I think, you know, I mean, yeah, you, know, you can learn it all from a book, but then it's putting that book into reality. And that, that sometimes doesn't work. So well, the book says they should have stopped barking by now, yes. you know, and then what do you do? So that's where experience comes in, you see. It is, and it's like a funny one is hope I had to learn the hard way that it was patience. It was, you know, like the, I, there, there was nothing you could do for that dog apart from let her to decompress and just, and she, she's the best dog ever now. But those first few months, I had to carry her out to the toilet, you know, like and set her on the ground and just wait for her to go to the toilet because she didn't want to leave her her little space. And uh, Sophie from Romania, who I'm sure you know, uh, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I messaged Rory uh, a couple of times in the early days. And I was like, just be patient, trust. I've seen this before, it's coming, you know, you'll yeah. get to a good place. But when you're in the middle of it, it's hard, you know, when you're... And, and, and Rory had all the expectations, having lost his last dog, so he wanted to get out onto Hampstead and, yeah, Heath yeah. and so on. And, it, you know, it's, it's disappointing, I think, for people as to how yeah. to deal with it. But with Hope, who's the name of the book, really, yeah. you, you did so the right thing. She'd been so abused, hasn't she? So another abuse case, really. And she was, she, she was shot with a nail gun, um, which... I couldn't understand it. Like Valeria, who who helps me, called in a panic. She's Ukrainian and she knows dogs. So when she called me in a panic, I knew it was serious. She was like, "You need to get here now." And I drove up there, and there was like a nail straight into her like shoulder, arm, whatever part that is of the dog. And he couldn't. It wouldn't even move an inch. Like so, the two Valeria and another German woman had to like hold the dog, and I had to get a pair of pliers and like pull the nail out. Gosh. And then a couple Was of Was it in the bone? Yeah, straight oh. clean into the bone. And then we kind of talked after it. We're like, oh, it could have been, you know, we were, we were trying to figure it out. We're like, maybe it was an accident, maybe, you know. We didn't know. And then about a day or two later, she was slashed with a big machete down it. So then we were like, okay, this is no accident. Somebody's, okay. And worse, of, worse is like, I don't think they were trying to kill her. I think they were trying to like torture her or, you know, cause her injuries that wouldn't kill her. So that's when we got her straight out of there and up to the land. But she, she, after what she went through, it did take two to three months, but now you see her like she was on TV the other day yes. and she's like, she's like star of the show, but she had a really tough two or three months after it. She was mentally scarred but she's come around brilliantly oh it's so good isn't it i mean going back to that that moment that you've captured you know um it was a surprise wasn't it at the itv studios that the dogs that you've you know shipped over as yeah. it were to here to loving homes had all come to give you this surprise yeah. welcome it was insane. and i thought about how you would have been feeling at that you know did you have any idea no i mean my, my plan was there'd been sort of messages I'm so busy and there'd been messages that like, oh, we'll meet up and stuff like that. And they're in Scotland and Wales and Manchester and Hope's in London. And I knew I'd be meeting them on this trip, but then I, I was doing all media stuff and I kind of lost track of it and it went quiet. And only now looking back, I could see they were all planning it in the background, but I lost focus on, you know, lining up interviews and different things. And then I was like, oh, it'll be later in the week. And then I saw Hope coming out of the studio. I just started crying immediately because I was like, here's this little dog that was in the jungle. And now she's in, like, she's walking into a studio full of, like, lights and people and, you know, not a care in the world. So that was very emotional. Because 
I see everything through my phone. You know, I, I'm in the middle of the Thai jungle and you'll see people say stuff like, oh, you're doing amazing and that's, you're so good. But it does, it's on a phone, it doesn't seem real. But then when you come here and people tell you in person it, and you see the dogs living in their new homes, it really hits home. It's, it's been like a tonic to see that. I bet, well, so wacker, greet oh, you. I, got, I mean, I, I can't say this too much, but he is definitely my favorite, or you know, you, you can't have an overall favorite, but he's very near the top of favorites. Yeah, yeah, I loved him. So who are you living with at the moment in, because now, sadly, you'll see Snoop. So I feel it's gonna be hard for you to go back after all this hype and excitement and media roller coaster, um, you know, and that's, but that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, grief is the price yeah. that you pay. It's funny because Tina died and there was a, a massive, she was another dog who was very special. An amazing dog that you rescued from up in the hills, wasn't yeah. it? And she'd been chained up. And then she, she yeah, she'd had puppies and everything, but she, she caught the public imagination. People loved her as I did. And she died about 10, 12 days ago, I think. And I was massively, I was crying and I was upset and everything and terrible. And But everybody was very supportive. And then about five days later, Snoop died. And I wasn't as bad with Snoop. It's, it's like you say, grief is probably a bit weird because I kind of just, it was more relief. And I was, I was kind of, because he, he'd been in pain for about five or six months, his legs had gone and he, was, he couldn't stand up and stuff. So it was nearly relief that it was over for him. Uh, so I, I wasn't crying as much uh, or at all. I was kind of just relieved, which is, but I think it will hit me at some stage, definitely. It's, it's uh, maybe when I yeah, go back and sit down and they're not there, it'll be, It'll be quiet. But I'll have plenty of other problems to dogs to solve. Yeah, so. well, that's it. I mean, some people might say that, you know, raising funds to new to the dogs is kind of just a drop in the ocean. And, you know, will this, you know, how, how do you see the future for street dogs out there? Because there aren't enough homes for them all. There's not enough people like you out there to rehab all of them properly and even with you sometimes you have to make a choice yeah am i going to take like with mcmuffin another character really in the book and obviously yeah. a star of your instagram yeah, yeah. um i mean it, that was a lovely story yeah she had really bad cancer uh and i didn't know what it was and people on this side of the world probably have never heard of it it's called tvt which is like a, a sexually transmitted cancer uh, and she was covered in um, like big um, tumors, like 30 or 40 of them. And we talked about uh, putting her down because she was, her blood results, she was like close to death. But one of the decisions was like it was, uh, the initial vet bill I think was about $2,000 or something, but it ended up being 5,000 to treat her over a course of her life, which is crazy amount of money if you consider what you could do with that for other dogs. So. Luckily with her, I, when I shared photos, people, a lot of actually sort of cancer patients and cancer survivors and stuff were like, oh, can I cover the part of the bill, etc." So she was very lucky. But then in other cases, you have to say like, well, $5,000 is a lot that can uh, neuter a hundred dogs. So do you save the one dog or do you help the hundred dogs? And those are the decisions that I still struggle with. But. I can imagine that. That must be because it was a lovely Thai man that reached out to you with McMuffin and he was unable 
to help yeah. her and obviously felt so guilty. I was really crying for that man in the book because he, he called you, you needed a translator yeah. and it's like because you are the dog fixer on the island. He, he nearly, I only found out afterwards, um, this is really bad, I thought he was a little bit drunk or something. I thought he was, because he, he just wasn't quite all there. And I found out afterwards he's a little bit mentally disabled. Um, and he was living with the family there. But somebody with McMuffin, somebody had just tossed her out in the street because um, she was so sick. And he'd found her and he was, as I said, just not not fully there himself, But and he only had a tiny bit of money. So he was trying to treat the dog as best he could uh, with, with, with nothing, no knowledge, no money, nothing. And he, he just saw me and sort of beckoned me over. So. It was, I brought, after a few months later, I brought McMuffin back to show him and he was crying and everything. So it's, the locals have very little money and very little knowledge. So, but he was coming from a great place. Oh yeah, no, McMuffin, again, a staggeringly brilliant name because she was wearing <laughs> yeah. um, red and yellow bandages. People always ask about the names and the reason it is is because I'm always on my moped driving around to the next, or sitting in a lot of vet surgeries, just waiting for you know results or whatever. And so I have a lot of time to think up creative names. So yeah, yeah. but you stood up to the vet with Muffin and with Derek. Um, both all the vets had given up and saying, "Look, it'll be much kinder." Yeah, you know. Um, it's it's a it's a tough one, yeah. Because I mean, so, sometimes they they maybe are right and they maybe didn't know that I would be able to find money to, or not just money, but somewhere for them to stay and rehab them. That's the, you know, Derek took four or five months to rehab. So the vets are probably thinking more pragmatically. This is a street dog. You're not going to save it. Best to put it down, you know, whereas you've got a, and that there have been a few occasions where I've agreed with that, you know, like uh, I've seen some cases where there, there is no coming back and you're so, yeah, there you've a lot of life or death decisions, but they and I hope you get that you, you just have to make them from the, the right place, I think. Yeah, and that's your instinct and yeah. everything that kicks in. But you've got you've got a bit of a place now for the rehab. I mean, Derek moved into his suite, his Taj Mahal, as you call it. <laughs> well, they do look brilliant. I mean, yeah. I'd quite like to be in one yes. of those kennels. I mean, they're great. They're, they've got a mezzanine bed layer yeah. and they're painted in lovely, colourful. Yeah. Well, the reason we did that is like, I don't know if you've been to many dog centuries, probably in Asia and different places. They're probably nicer here in Battersea and, you know, the much, much nicer but they can be quite depressing and quite like prisons sometimes yeah. so I w I've started off from a totally different perspective trying to make it because it's not just the dogs but the people who have to come and volunteer and help and stuff you want it to be a nice environment you don't want it to be like like a prison which some of them can feel like so yeah no totally and dogs and particularly a street dog um wouldn't adapt to being in a kennel and caged in at all so you got to factor in all the stress and extra yeah. anxiety that that would induce, you yeah. know. But, um, but where are you at then with the organisation? Because it's only 18 months, yeah. but the book even makes it seem, I thought it was three years, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because it, the problem is, I think, with the world of dogs, certainly here, is that there are lots of politics that goes on. Yeah. And you touch on that a bit in the book and, yeah. and why you want to totally move in a straight line now yeah I, I think sometimes the dogs get forgotten and you know the charities and everything everybody I just always think about the dogs I'm just like that's all that matters and 
it's hard enough to fix this so everybody needs to work together and I need to get everybody kind of on the same page and, and working towards a common vision which I think you can definitely do. Um, so the UK charity is set up that's called happydoggo.com and that's set up I have to go and sign a bank account or something in the next couple of days but we're we're there and that but that's taken so long uh, just especially because I've been in Thailand and what happens to me is I'll be doing my paperwork or these things and then I get a call there's four puppies down a drain and I can't I, like I can't I should you know for the greater good and to move things faster I should just focus on the paperwork but you can't ignore the dogs either you know so it's it's, I'd love everything to move faster, but we're, it is moving fast, but not fast enough for my liking. But you've got some land now yes. that is now going to be base. Yeah, a lovely Thai woman actually. It's really hard to find land because it's a different language and culture, and then people don't want dogs on their land maybe. But she's a lovely Thai woman, she's about 75, and we don't speak each other's language, but there's a lot of smiling, and she's just a big joyful woman. And she offered me, I think I pay about a hundred pounds a month for a big plot of land. She, she wanted to give something back to, to Buddha over there. So she's, she's let me have that, and we built little um, suites for the dogs. And the next project is gonna be a big hospital, Tina's hospital. So uh, I'm gonna try and get that built in the next four or five months. Fantastic. So that that will hopefully cut back a bit on vet expenses. Yeah. Vet expenses are what wipe me out every month. They're, the food and the preventative medicines are sort of cheap enough in relative terms, but the vet vet bills like are, you know, if you get two bad serious dogs in a day, they just wipe out all your funds. You know, so it's the the hospital would be the 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 dream and it'll help more dogs so that's the that's the plan yeah and you're in the right part of the world for you know acupuncture and herbal remedies you yeah. know um you know it all comes from that part of the world or a lot do my friend sybil who's uh i think she's in the book uh friends with her recently she she's a human surgeon and she does a lot of acupuncture on the dogs and especially and the stuff she can do like vets who say like no chance she's got the dogs walking in three or four weeks she does like physio that she's learned herself on the dogs and so there's so many people out there doing doing wonderful things yeah and and how is it all now so if i wanted to come out to volunteer <laughs> um you know how easy or not is that going to be I'm, I'm getting set up for it with the charity as well because i think i'm about two or three months away and I, what i want to do is I don't want people to just come out and have to like clean up poop and wash kennels. That, I mean, we have to. I do that as well. So it's there, there will be that. that sounds but, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, people you still are get a suntan doing it. Exactly, you? exactly. <laughs> but people are so keen to come. I want to make like a meaningful experience because I think it can do something where it can. That's what has surprised me. Is I'm obviously helping the dogs, but I think people are really want to escape the rat race a little bit and experience maybe what I'm experiencing every day if I could give them some sort of a month away to help dogs I think that would be would be nice but I just need to figure out how to do it properly yeah and then I I know through Instagram you've had loads of requests to adopt mm. um, which I can imagine the paperwork is like oh it's it's a little trick like in a nutshell it's like we don't make any money from it obviously it's like about two thousand pounds it might be a bit cheaper, might be a bit more expensive, uh, and three, four months. Uh, so it's, that's how long it takes. But the paperwork is like, for each dog, there must be a thousand messages. Just tests, blood tests, weights, 
everything, import papers, blah, blah, blah. So it's, and like you said earlier, that's actually not gonna fix a thing when it comes to street dogs. It's very nice for um, a few dogs, like the Whackers and Rodneys of this world, and it's very nice to tell their story, but you're never gonna fix the street dog problem by shipping them all over to England, but it is a, a nice little part of it. So how, are you, how do you think, so I know this is kind of, you've got a very busy brain, I can tell, you know, you're thinking about a million things um, the whole time, which I, I admire, I'm a bit the same. So I can imagine, you know, when you relax on an evening, if you get five minutes, you're kind of thinking, right, how can I take my model, because you're a businessman yeah. at heart and a very successful one, yeah. you're very successful, um, uh, it, to other regions in, in it's like India maybe. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking about at the moment, you're absolutely right, is I think the telling the story of the dogs and is very good and then if you can use that to raise money to sterilise lots of dogs. So the UK charity that I have will be a fundraising charity to give people grants to sterilise dogs. So. Um, that's part of the plan is to roll it out across Asia as, as quickly as possible but the problem is people don't get very excited about sterilizing rightly so you know it's not you're not logging on to Instagram to look at dogs being sterilized if you might be interested in it you know <laughs> as it because you're passionate about dogs the average person doesn't really care about sterilizing unfortunately um, so they, they like the McMuffins and the Derricks and the so it's kind of using the storytelling to help the do the boring parts that are really important. Yeah, yeah, and, and do you see a safe future for street dogs, you know, combined with, you know, uh, education or, because it really, really hurt me about Marlon Brando. Yeah. And um, I just want to say total respect to you, Neil. I know you hate that, but I'm going to oh, say, yeah. with the way that, because you, you got the call from Rod. Yeah. yeah and uh, that Marlon Brando had been hit by a car. Yeah. And you know, you didn't have to do this because you're busy and you got other, but you went, found him and you know, you, you buried him very kindly and made him a really lovely grave, which I believe you visit um, regularly and put flowers there. Now, you know, that to me, these little parts in the book just, you know, say to me you're a really kind person and that you, you've seen how the dogs have helped you on your journey and your main objective is to give that back. Yeah, I mean, the, the burying them is, like it was one last week, a couple of, it was actually Tina died and then Snoop died and then another dog, that she'd only come in for one day and we knew she had very, very low chances anyway, but she died then. And then I, it was sort of my third grave that I was digging and I was like, God, there was a part of me going like, is this like, is this a good use of your time? But then I was like, of course it is. Like it's a, <clears throat> the dog didn't have much of a life. It's a little bit of dignity. She got flowers. It was just me on my own. It was hot, hard work, but I felt really good after it. And I was just like, you know, at least the dog wasn't alone and had a little bit of dignity leaving, which most of them don't. So I think it's about, yeah, kindness. And I don't, I don't know enough about dogs, but there's, with Tyson as well, you, there's a moment when I've seen a lot of them die now and I can see it in their eyes, they get a little bit scared just before they die because their body is obviously doing crazy stuff about to die and they're, they're like, they get scared, I've seen it and in their eyes, so like, I think they're happy that you're there with them, um, so that, it, it's sort of, yeah, it makes you feel, at least then when I go home and sleep that night, I'm like, okay, it, it wasn't a great day and I lost a dog, but you did the right thing. Yeah, and do you think 
the future will be bright brighter for street dogs? Oh, 100%. Uh, I mean, I can't do it quick enough is the problem because me and you're talking here now, but there's dogs being run over, there's dogs being shot. Oh, there's a, you I feel know. so bad yeah, talking yeah. to you on the podcast now. No, 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 I'm not saying it like that. This <laughs> no, is great because it's raising awareness, but it's the suffering is real and it's right now and it's not, it needs to be fixed quickly. So that's my main concern. It's like there's 500 million street dogs in the world. I want to get it down to 250 million in the next 10, 20 years. So it's, it, I'll get it done. I think you will, Niall. Well, all the links are going to be in the show notes and um, just thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. And uh, thanks for spreading the word about dogs in general. <laughs> woof woof. <laughs> That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, I know. How hard does Nile work? It's truly amazing. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. <coughs> Never underestimate the power of your dog to be your lifelong companion. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts, because it really makes a difference. Thanks again, of course, to Niall Harbison for sparing his time on his quick media visit to record a podcast. And all the links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike. Find out more about Mike at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm just at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So go on, subscribe now. It's free. And that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye.